Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome in. We are we are back. Sixth episode of the podcast here, and I um, hope everyone's been doing well. Still recuperating a little bit from last time. Still a little bit under the uh, weather, but uh, but we're trudging on. We're trudging through. Um, before the last couple of days, yesterday I was thinking about you know different topics to discuss and and things I think that would be interesting to sort of give different perspectives. Um, and one thing that is interesting that I feel like at first glance you would think it should kind of be the opposite is the fact that I live here in America as an Orthodox Jew, and you live in Tel Aviv, in Israel, in uh, in our land, in our homeland. Um, and obviously, our goal as Orthodox Jews eventually is to move there. So I think one of the questions um, that you know I would have at least is why is it that I live here, and why do you live there? Why don't I live in Israel, and why did you move to Israel from New York? You know, what were you seeking out? What were you looking for? I think that that would be interesting. So take it well, away. I, Let's hear it. Well, I think, first of all, for your question, I had the same question. Why the heck are you there and not in Israel? I'm just saying. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> but um, it's funny because so many people, especially Israelis, ask me all the time. They're like, oh, what made you move here? Like, it's 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 like a one answer thing. Like, oh, yeah, it's because, you know, I was thinking on January 29th of 2015, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, you know, like, you know, you and I, like, you know, we grew up in a family. Dad was very pro-Israel. We've been coming to Israel for, like, Pesach and Sukkot and, like, all the, like, you know, the Shiloh Shurgalim, like, the high holidays, like, since we were, like, kids. The first time we came, I just turned nine years old. Um, and now I'm 30, going to be 31 in June, frightening. Um, so we've been coming here so long. And, you know, also when I was in high school, like, you know, a year, like after high school, like for your, a lot of like Orthodox Jews go like a year abroad to like yeshivas and stuff. But I went to like Bar Ilan because they still wanted that like one year in Israel, which is like a very common thing in the community. And even at that point, like Israel was a place like I always loved. But like, if anyone asked me if I would have ever lived there, like I would have never thought I lived there. I would have been like, oh, I'm too American or, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I never thought I would have lived there. Um, so like, that's why like when people always ask me that question, like what made you move? It's like, it wasn't like a specific thing. It was a very long, like thing of different like experiences. And then also, um, thinking about it for a long time, I didn't make any abrupt like decision. Like I was visiting for a long time. And then like, you know, as I got a little bit older, my late teens and early twenties, like our family went through a lot of different experiences. There were like divorces and all these other things going on. Um, a lot of big changes, especially living in a small tight knit community, people are talking a lot. So it was a lot of things that, um, you know, really, especially coming out of the closet and going through all that. And then everything else that went on within our family, it was just a culmination of so many different things. And I feel like because of all those different um, circumstances in our lives that we went through, it really made me have to grow up faster. Like, so like, I mean, I was always an old soul. I feel like, you know, our parents named me, my English name is Sheldon. So I feel like they kind of set me up to be like an 80 year old soul <laughs> forever. Now I feel like I am 80, but, um, so I feel like I really thought about like, you know, now that I'm getting older, like, you know, where am I going in my life? Like, what's going to make me, you know, be happy. Like, you know, we grew up as kids in Chicago. Then I went to Israel for the year. Right after my Israel for the year, I went to New York. That's where our sisters lived. I always thought like, oh, I'm, I was such a New Yorker. Like that's where I always wanted to be. It was my first time living there as an openly gay man for like five and a half years. And it was a great place. And I, I had great experiences. But I was never really happy. I felt like, you know, I was like a needle in a haystack, even less than like, you know, um, I felt like once I came out and everything and you have like the, the community and everything, it's like, oh, it's this tight knit, super close community and everyone's just fighting for each other. It's just not like that at all. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that many of us grew up in different communities, Jewish, not Jewish, doesn't matter, where I, I have friends who even didn't grow up religious at all and their parents had difficulties with it. I feel like it's something that's so taboo or was so taboo, much more taboo than it is now that it was kind of like a scary thing. So I feel like because of that, a lot of people are very guarded and and it became like people are very clicky in the LGBTQ community for my experience personally. And um, so like, there's a lot of things. I felt like a lot of my relationships with my friends there, it was a very like surface level. Like I used to party mm -hmm. a lot, like my late teens, my early twenties, I was a big partier, was always going out at the hottest spots, never waited in lines, knew every like, you know, uh, club owner and stuff. And it got to a point where it's like, I've been there, done that, tried that, popped that, drank that. Like I was like, I, I did that. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Like I, I, I did it all like, and 
you know, it was, it was me trying to figure myself out. Like, you know, when I first came out, I used to wear a lot more makeup. Now I'm not wearing any makeup and my hair looks like a mess. I was on work all day, but like I used to wear a lot more makeup. I used to do my nails because I was trying to figure out who I was, what I wanted because I was so repressed for so long and trying to dress a certain way or act a certain way to please everyone else that I had no idea who the hell I was. So it was the constantly of <laughs> trying to figure out, um, who I was, what I wanted. And so like, as I got older and different life experiences in our family, and then as I, you know, started being serious about my job. I was working as a full-time professional makeup artist. Thank God, like, I built up a nice clientele when I was in New York. I, I wasn't able to party at night. A lot of my jobs right. I was waking up super early for. One of my consistent clients who lived near me, who I did work for all the time, I was waking up at 4.35 a.m., you know, for, for her to be on TV. Like, there was a lot of stuff that I was doing so early in the morning that I, I I wasn't, I don't even think I had like the, you know, a lot of people take a party all night and then work hard during the day. I couldn't do that. I need like at least eight hours of sleep or like steer clear for me because I am your worst nightmare. Also, I get very hangry when I'm hangry, when I'm tired, don't go near me. <laughs> On a fast day, avoid me. I can attest. Um, exactly. Um, so once I stopped that, I started realizing a lot of my like friends who I was hanging out with, it's not like I ever like confided in them with like deep stuff or the things that were going on in our family. It was really just like, we were partying all the time. We always pre-gamed at my house. Cause I always had the alcohol. I was the one who had a car living in the city. So I was picking up everyone else. Like it was always like me. And then once I stopped doing all that, it was like, they start slowly dwindling away and like, you know, all the different life experiences. And then like, ultimately I realized like, you know, I was figuring myself out. I got to a much better place where I'm very comfortable being gay. I'm very comfortable being Jewish. I was much more comfortable with my skin but I wasn't happy. Like I right. just genuinely wasn't happy. Like I because said, what you felt like the friends you had, it was more, it was, it was, it was, a, it wasn't a, a, a meaningful relationship as much. Yeah, as it, it was, was like a culmination of a lot of things. Like we were going through so much. The friends that I, that I had that were friends, they're not really deep relationships. It's very surface level. It was just parting and stuff. And right. then, you know, figuring myself out, I wanted to, you know, be bigger in my career. I wanted more out of life, out of life. Like I was like, you know, I, like, I wasn't happy there. Like, I, you know, we grew up in America. We're, like, third or fourth generation American. And um, I remember, like, in middle school, even, like, at 1 to 15 on the dot, we always had, like, the Pledge of Allegiance in middle school. And, like, someone would go on the phones and the intercom systems. Right. I never felt connected to that. Like, and not, not that I have anything wrong with America or, like, I'm seeing America so bad. Me, personally, I never felt, like, a proud American or connected to America. I never, like, you know, waved an American flag and felt something. Like, it wasn't a place that I felt proud to be in. And only only 1% of America is Jewish, not religious, just Jewish. 0.2% of America is religious Jewish. And it's like, you're such a minority. So then being gay and being Jewish, and that, so you're a minority within a min minority. It's like, <laughs> how many more things could I add to that? It's like, I just, I was like looking for something. And um, and I remember I was, I was in therapy. I'm still seeing the same therapist I was seeing while I was in New York. Um, I FaceTime with him, which it's funny because a lot of people were like, is it weird FaceTiming? And then the pandemic happens and then everybody was FaceTiming. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember I, I, it wasn't a rash decision. I talked about it with him for three and a half years that it was a consideration. I was thinking, I was like, maybe, maybe Israel, but I didn't want to just be like, oh, you know, Israel, let me just pick up my entire life, move halfway across the world to my stuff. Right. Like I, like I was, I was thinking about it, but if it's something that I was going to consider, it was something that I was going to do. Like, it's not like, you know, like when I, when I started to tell people that I was moving to Israel and it was official after three and a half years and I started to tell people, people were like, oh, well, you're, it's not like you have to give up your citizenship. So like, if it doesn't work out, you can always come back. And like, while that is a valid point, I wasn't moving to a whole new country, picking up my life, moving with my dog, all my stuff, like getting, right. you know, rid of stuff and like thinking like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just move back. Like, that's not, that wasn't my point of moving it there, here. And that's why I thought about it for three and a half years, because I want to make sure if I'm going to make such a big decision, it was going to be the right decision. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, I could be a very impulsive person at times, but, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, like I have to take a step back and be like, well, you know, is this something that like, I remember talking to my therapist about it and we're like, right before I was going to move and I was like, it's so crazy. Like, you know, we talked about it for so long. And then, you know, I, I, once I decided I was going to do it, I prepared like my Aliyah, my immigration process for nine months and I was like, it's so crazy. Like it like flew by. He's like, you know, and I was talking about it. He's like, you know, if I ever felt at any point that you were trying to run away from your problems or like, you know, you were going through so much stuff here that you thought by moving to another country, it was going to get rid of all that. I would have been like, 
No, like you need to take a step back. Like you can't run away from your problems. No matter where right. you are, wherever you go, your problems are going to follow you. Right. So whether 100%. you're halfway across the world, completely across the world, doesn't matter. Space, your problems are following you. So you said, if I ever felt like that at any point, and it's like, now I've been here, like this August in 2023 is going to be seven years, which is crazy. And, um, you know, even with the fact that we literally had five elections here in the past, <laughs> I don't know, two and a half years, and like all the bureaucracy and the craziness, and it's hard to make money here compared to America and all these different things. Um, I honestly, like, like, you know, thank God, like there was never one point in the past six and a half years where I ever felt like, oh my God, did I make a mistake or like regretted my decision or felt like, you know, maybe I jumped into this too fast or like, you know, even when I come to visit you guys in America, like I just came to New York and like, it's so nice to see my friends and my family. And like, you know, you know, honestly, like when people ask me, like, what's the hardest thing about you moving when I was moving? I was like, honestly, like Amazon and like seamless, which was like, you right. know, the food delivery. But now we have Walt here in Israel. So I had the food delivery and Amazon does deliver here. It's just not like, you know, one hour overnight. You know, right. Like I had, yeah. Well, in the city, I literally had a TV last minute sent to me to my left. It, under two hours was free. One hour was seven ninety nine, and it was cheaper to get the TV sent to me within that two hour time frame than it was to buy it from Best Buy or any of the stores nearby me in my apartment. I'm like, like it's crazy, right? And um, and yeah. So I feel like the harder the hardest part was leaving my like nieces and nephews behind. Like you know, you and like my other siblings, like I'm able to Facetime with and like you know you know um go on Zoom with and like you know that makes a huge difference. Like I remember when we were younger, we had relatives in Israel. Calling them was so expensive. Like you know, long distance calling within America was expensive. Calling like internationally was crazy. So like the fact that that's not a problem, the fact that we could like FaceTime and stuff like that makes things easier. At the time, a lot of, most of my nieces and nephews were very young. Now some of them still are, like your children are still very young. Like, so it's, it's much harder for that. Cause I don't want to be like, you know, that uncle who lives halfway across the world. Like I love my nieces and nephews. They mean so much to me. Like, that's why I always make sure to like, you know, send them birthday presents and like Hanukkah presents. Yeah, I want to make sure. that stuff. Yeah. Cause I don't want to be like that uncle who lives in Israel. Like I want to make sure that they know who I am and all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's hard. So like some of them are older where like now they have phones or iPads or, or um, you know, iPods where they could like text me and stuff like that. And it's so nice. But like, so that was probably the hardest part about leaving. But aside from that, like, you know, being Jewish in America and like, that was a lot of things like that we talked about like a couple episodes ago when I was talking about my coming out story and everything. It's a very black and white thing. It's either like you're religious or you're not religious. People always ask you like, are you from like in the religious community, we always see the word from, which I don't know if it's Yiddish or something. Yeah. But it's, it's like, comes it's, from uh, Yiddish. It does. So yeah. yeah. So it's like Yiddish. So it's like, it's asking like, are you religious? And it's like, it's a very black and white question. Like, are you, or aren't you? And like I said in that episode, like, I feel like I'm more connected to Judaism now than it was then. Not that being religious was wrong or that, you know, the way my upbringing was wrong. Just the fact that for me personally, at that time, I felt a certain way. And now in my life, now in my connection to God, it's in a much healthier place for me right. personally. So, and I feel like that's a big part of it. It's like everyone has to find what works for them personally. Like for someone who's religious, I would never tell them, oh, why would you be religious? Like, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, I've learned a big differentiation between whatever communities that I that I was raised in and the you know, religion itself and the orthodoxy itself. It's a, two very different things. Whether right. or not people get those confused is it's that's their own thing, but it's not the religion itself. Right. So it's also hard like, to find a balance between your own self identity and expression while at the same time remaining a part of a community. You know, I remember someone 100%. sent me a, a picture. It was like an it was like a it was like a painting of like five Hasidic Jews like dancing. It was, they were all silhouettes in black. And then one of them, his socks were like bright, like colors. And it was just like to show like you could, you know, you maintain a sense of individual expression and, and your own personal relationship with God, you know, but you are also, you, you know, you remain a part of a community in a larger sense. Totally. That's really you know, nice. We just have to respect each other for those things. Something that you said before, which I think is interesting about, you know, when they would play the, the national anthem in school, I feel like, I feel like we both grew up and dad was very, uh, you know, our father was very much so since we were little kids, he made it very clear that America is a temporary place and that Israel is where we're supposed to be. Um, and that Israel is where we want to go. Like, like Sheldon said, we'd go, you know, a few times a year, three, four times a year. And like when we went, most families that most, you know, Jewish families, at least that I know, if not all them that go to Israel, for vacation or even for the holidays. So on the vacation days, they'll go 
you know, do fun activities. You go jet skiing, scuba diving, you know, hiking. When we went there, we went to like military bases. We went to, we went to towns and cities that are on the border with uh, Gaza or Syria. Um, and we would have to run into bomb shelters that we were, we, we would, I remember when we went to, uh, we stay out when I was little to give out fruit and, uh, and chicken to poor families. And while we were eating at someone's house, um, one, uh, the alarm went off, we had to run to a shelter. The guy didn't even have a, a shelter in his home. He just, he put us in the room that would be the safest in case there was a direct impact. Yeah. Um, but because, because, because dad was always so in that perspective, because he was always, he was always sort of putting that into us. Um, I, I feel like that's why there was always a sort of, I wouldn't say discomfort as much as a feeling that this is not where I'm supposed to be. And at the same time, while he impressed that into us, he also always, this is one thing I feel like there's, you know, there's always those few things that like you disassociate with your parents. The one thing that dad always did whenever we were in public and whenever he would see anyone who was in the military or was serving the country in some way in America, Israel walked America, over to them, it always, it doesn't matter, walked over to them, he said, thank you, shook their hand, and th- thank you for your service. Um, As a kid, I used to the, always roll my right. eyes. And like, right. adult, like what I'm are you like, doing? Wow. Like, right. that's because really it was, nice. it's, even if Even if you don't feel like this is your long-term home, you have to, you, you can't, you have to have gratitude. For the 100%. fact that they took us in, for the fact that we flourished as a community, as, an, as The fact that you could live as a normal person with everyday right. life, not worrying about being murdered or rockets right. falling on you or right. Russia coming after you. Know, so. Right. Right. Yeah. Just totally. able to ex- express our own, our own religious beliefs. A lot of us take value. things for granted like that. Right. Our safety. 100%. So I, I kind of felt the same way where like, I didn't necessarily feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Obviously, I'm more comfortable among the culture in America than in Israel because I'm used to it. And there, it is a bit of a culture shock moving to Israel. People are very different. Totally. Totally. Food is different. Shopping is different. Prices are different. The currency is different. So the different. Politics are all over the place. All so, the place. but at the same time, that was where that, you know, that was where we were at. And we also grew up. My, my father was, it, it was and is still very much so um, a history buff. He loves history, Huge. loves Jewish history. Um, and he would constantly remind us and teach us about the horrors of the Holocaust and what happened. As a little kid, I would watch documentaries with him. I remember and I probably, being, probably being younger than I should have been and exactly. like walking into the, into the family room and my dad would be watching this documentary. I'd sit with him and watch this like horrible documentary about, you know, and he, I mean, he's read every book you could imagine. And he would just impl- yeah. impress that, that idea into us that <clears throat> throughout history, the Jews have moved to so many different places, to so many different countries, and they've adapted and they've assimilated and they've acclimated to different cultures. But, but, but at the end of the day, we keep getting pushed out of all these countries. We've been exiled over 30 times um, and <clears throat> from various countries throughout our history. And at a certain point, he's like, we have to wake up and realize this because we're, this is we're not, not where we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be in Israel. Um, but something that I wanted to ask you was when you – when you were a teenager, when you got got older, when you had come out, um, and your views were obviously different from when you were growing up and when you were religious, did you ever struggle with uh, reconciling, uh, you know, us growing up with a love for Israel and the same time the media portraying Israel as like an apartheid country that oppresses Palestinians and and uh, settles their land, or was that always? you just kind of always felt like that's nonsense and I know what the truth is. So that's the thing is like, as a Jew living in America, someone who we used to come to Israel all the time. So we would see a lot of things that happen. And then we see the way it's portrayed in the news living in America. You're like, this is just not what it is right now. Literally living in Israel. When two summers ago, we literally had rockets shooting towards us where I literally opened my window on FaceTime with mom and I look up and there's an alarm going off and then rockets literally fly past my window. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> my mom's yelling at me like, run to the bomb shelter. I was just in such a, cause I'm like, this doesn't happen oh, to my Right, exactly. I can I'm see just like, you like filming. So, no, so I'm literally, first our cousin is messaging me and she's telling me, she's like, oh my God, the alarm's been going off in Jerusalem and everything. She's like, I heard that like the threatening attack to Tel Aviv. I was like, I'm literally like voice recording. I was like, no, I was like, I doubt it's going to tell you. I literally opened my window and the alarm goes off. I'm like, oh my God, the alarm just went off. I have to call my mom. And they're like, call mom. And I'm like, oh my God. Right. Like the, the, and I'm like, oh my God, there's rockets. So like, I like show her on the face and she's like, run to the shelter. 
Um, so we were going through that where it was like daily, like the only, like, thank God for this country, the fact that we have the Iron Dome, which literally is this incredible thing that could, like, when something is shot off, um, like a rocket or missile or anything like that, it could, um, either explode it over the ocean or completely like, you know, make the, like it, it basically kills it. So it doesn't intercept it. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Couldn't think about intercepts it. The Duke. Exactly. So, um, if not for the security and everything here, we, we'd be dead. So, like, that's what I love. Like, when they show, like, on the news, like, these Israeli military men and all this stuff, they're, first of all, a lot of them are children because they're drafted at 18, but, like, they need to be drafted at 18 for the security of our country. We're literally the size of New Jersey. There's only one Jewish country, which is Israel, the size of New Jersey. There's over 50 other Arab countries. A lot of, you know, Palestinians. There's Arab Israelis who are Israeli, and they're Arab. And they're allowed to go wherever they want and everything's fine. People on the news usually portray things as like Israeli. I mean, the Arabs are not allowed in, you know, um, Jewish territories and they're boxed in and blah, blah, with these walls. Okay. A, the walls that we have are not walls boxed them in. They're literally defense walls. So yeah. we don't get killed. Right. Secondly, you want to not be part of Israel. You hate the state of Israel. You want to be part of the Palestinian Authority. So you are part of the Palestinian Authority, but then you claim you're not allowed to be in our territories. Well, girl, I'm Israeli and American. I'm not allowed in your territory. Right. So I'm literally not allowed. In fact, in all those territories, which are talk- talked as Area A, they have huge ass red signs on it. How if you're Israeli, you are not allowed to enter and how it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to your life. life. Yep. There's not one sign anywhere, not one sign in the entirety of Israel Mm -mm. that says in big red, Arabs may not enter. It's a danger to your life. We might cut you. No, no, no such thing. So it's like, and if we're, you know, the way they portray us, if, if we're such a horrible country and we're just so horrible to you, I'm so sorry. Like go to one of the other like 50 plus Arab countries that are obviously so good to your people. Right. Go there, but why aren't you? Like, why are you going there? Is it because they're not even treating their own people well? Like, I'm not because you know, life is much people, better for them in Israel. Exactly, like infinitely. And so, better. a lot of people will be like, "Oh, you know, that's Islamophobic or this that." No, not at all. I actually have friends who are Muslim, and there's a lot of divisive issues in this country politically. You feel it more in the more religious neighborhoods in Tel Aviv. You don't feel it as much, which is why when things like rockets are coming here, that's when it's like, "Oh shit." Because we're a much more like liberal and leftist community that right. things are usually much more tame here because it's not like heavily, you know, surrounded by religion and extremism like some areas are. But at the end of the day, when the rockets started coming and stuff like that, we all know where we're going and what right. side we're on. And it's very scary and it's very sad and it's unfortunate. And it's like, you know, and you go through history and it's like, you know, you look at the Oslo Accords with Bill Clinton. What did that do? Who broke the peace in that situation? When you look at all these different things throughout history, any kind of peace treaty, when Ariel Sharon was the prime minister of Israel and gave Gush Katif, which is now Gaza, to the Arabs, and they don't talk about in the news how thousands, thousands of Jews were ripped out of their homes. A lot of them were promised that they were going to get homes if they left willingly. A lot of them didn't. They didn't. But they were forced out of their houses to give this over to Gaza as a peace treaty. Gaza's a mess. Gush Katif at the time, which was already like almost 20 years ago, was making over $100 million a year from an incredible science that they were able to literally grow plants. Yeah, agriculture. Amazingly, yeah. agriculture out of its sand. So like they literally had this over $100 million thing. Now, if you look at, if you drive there now, it looks like it it's was disgusting. 20 years ago and we gave it to them. Yep. So it's like, we've been doing these things. Like I explain to a lot of people. It's like, you have a kid who misbehaves and he's like, oh, I promise I won't misbehave again if you give me a piece of candy. So you say he promised? He says, yeah, you give him a piece of candy. He misbehaves again. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry if you give me another piece of candy. I'm not going to misbehave. You give him another piece of candy. He misbehaves. At what point do you realize the kid's not learning his lesson and you're just giving him candy? <laughs> that's the issue here. It, right. It's just that. And it's like, it's a huge issue. But it's like for a country that's the size of New Jersey, the fact that the UN is so concerned about us, the fact that we're on the news as much as we are, there are so many other countries. Think about right. the genocide going on in Africa. Think about the fact that America seems to have like forgot most of the things going on in Ukraine from Russia. Right. Like everything going on in Syria, all these places. 
a lot of these people are victims in their own people. A lot of these people who live in the Palestinian Authority are very good people, and they're literally victims of their own people, treated as human shields, pushed aside, treated as garbage. The money that America's given them is going to the Palestinian Authority, not the people that need it. And it's like, it's so sad on so many angles that it's not even just like Israel's so bad. It's like, no, their side are treating their own people poorly. It's not that they're all bad people. They're treating their own people poorly. It's like if we had the extremist, crazy, you know, like Haredi Jews in Israel running the state of Israel, there'd be much more issues. But we don't have that. They have the extremists open, like openly, like admitted, like terrorist organizations like Hamas who are running their shit and they're like, you know, claiming victim. Like, it's just weird that the, the, the media caters to that and will so often show one side of, of what's going on. And while there's always, and I'm not saying Israel's perfect and there's always room 100%. for proof, <laughs> but to it. pretend like they're occupiers or oppressors or it's an apartheid country, I implore anyone who believes that, and this is what I always say, if you really believe that, what I implore you to do is Come dress up as an Orthodox Jew. You put a, a kippah on, you can put a white shirt on, just dress up as an Orthodox Jew and take a stroll into East Jerusalem. Not even too deep, not into Gaza. Just take a stroll into East Jerusalem. Not even Orthodox Jew. Dress up as me. Be me. I'm not wearing a yarmulke. I'm not wearing tzitzit. I'm not wearing tefillin. I'm not wearing any of that stuff. Come in as a gay man. Good luck to you. Right. Right. And then I would say dress up as an Arab and walk into a Jewish neighborhood and see what happens. You think you're going to get, you're not going to get attacked. If anything, people are going to move away from you. So the it's, the it's idea that, that that there's oppression. I remember when we were kids, we were walking to uh, to the Western Wall to to the hotel, and there was like a group of people of older people with like signs like "Stop the oppression." And Dad walked over to them. He's like, he's like, I agree with you. We got to end this oppression. And they're like, you serious? He's like, yeah, we got to get the uh, Arabs out of our land. And uh, obviously, they didn't like that too too much. And I was like, oh God, Dad, let's not start it here. Yeah. But um, I uh, there I don't think. I think the Arabs, the Arab Israelis that are living there are great. They're good, they're good people. They just want to work, support their families, live Literally good lives like thing. everybody else. Just regular people. And then you have people on the outside. And what Sheldon was saying before about those walls, when you drive to my parents' house, my parents live over what they call the 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 green line and what people consider the settlements in a, uh, in a city called Efrat. Occupied territories. Right, which is a beautiful city with about 12,000 more families. And also... Efrat does not have a single wall surrounding Not a single. It. And there are any border security because there's been right. people who try to break in our communities with knives and guns and everything like that. Right. You don't have a single wall. So you they can't claim that whole overboxed thing. Right. And as you're as you're driving into into over the green line into Gushetzion, the area that, that Efrat is in. There's you're driving on the left side of the highway is Bethlehem, which is massive. It extends from Jerusalem all the way into the Gush. Yeah. And the wall is clearly slanted over the highway because until they built that wall, there were people that were shooting down from the houses on the mountains and also attack cars on the highway. I mean, I've had yeah. rocks thrown at my car from kids that stand on the side of the highway. They pick up massive rocks, yeah. throw it at your car, hoping you ho- hoping you stop. Um, because then you'll get attacked, but you got to just keep driving. Obviously, there's literally a whole course you could take at Caliber Three, which is a place there for safety and security and stuff. That literally, it, it's a whole simulation when you're in an attack, being in your car, and how you handle yourself, and if rocks are being thrown at you, and how to handle yourself in that situation. Because right. we have to learn. Have you ever heard of a Jew or throwing rocks or Molotov cocktails? And I'm sure that in the past there's been maybe one or two bad apples and stuff like that. No Jews are perfect right. at all. No person's perfect. <laughs> But when you look at the numbers of everything, it's just like, like something's not adding up. Like, it's just why, like, I know so many people, we both know people per- personally, either them or their siblings or relatives who have been in, in, a t- in terrorist attacks. We used to be, we were friendly with the store owner on Ben Yehuda, yeah. which is one of the main streets in Jerusalem, who had a suicide bomber's head fly into the back into of the, the store and smash into the wall. That store called the Shkalim. Um I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. And somehow it's still portrayed as if the exact opposite is going on. And it's so easy to sit in America and say, Israel's terrible, Israel's apartheid. And you have all these people in in the media and social media and the news, Mia Khalifa, all these people posting nonsense. And 95% of them have never even been here. 
You've you've never nope. even like been, uh, it's like, Rashida Tlaib and not talk been allowed about here. shit. You don't know. Right. If you've right. been Ilhan here Omar, and Rashida you've Tlaib, seen those people it, are the worst. The you, worst. It's like don't talk about. I don't spew shit about things I don't know. If you don't know, don't talk. That's literally right. what it comes down to. It's like, it's not, like I always say, like nowadays we're fighting for you know Black Lives Matter, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, all these things. We went through the Holocaust as Jews. I'm literally gay and Jewish. I would have been like at the top of Hitler's list. Like <laughs> I was only missing one more attribute. And I would literally would have been like, oh, right. he's a bonus jackpot. And it's like, and, and I still get called white male privilege all the time. And it's like, okay, well, I literally grew up in a religious Orthodox community and I am gay, but sure. I, I did have a lot of things maybe that I was privileged for, for being white in terms of my other friends who are, you know, people of color. Right. But I'm not just white privilege, you know, oh, you just had it so easy because not even close. Right. But it's like, we went through the Holocaust, like we were talking about before, what Dad was saying, whenever Dad said, like, you know, like these people who lived in Germany and all these places, it's not like, you know, people, you know, are, I remember when I was a kid, people were like, well, why didn't they just leave? And you used to always say, it's not like they were living such hard lives there. They were doing really well, living right. very nice lives there. That nothing like that would have ever happened. So I remember he used to always say, like, you know, don't get too comfortable when you're in America. Like, just know, like, you know, there's never, I used to always draw my eyes. I'm like, okay, dad, like, you're, you're crazy. Like, what are you even mm -hmm. talking about? Like, this guy's out of his mind. And then as an adult and being a gay man and being open with dad, you know, for a while and everything that I was like, you know, it's just a part of me. It's not something that's like all of me. And then it's like, I would like, look at the way things are portrayed about Israel and see everything else in the news. And I'm like, right. Like, how is it that like Jews totally like we're this whole country is literally the size of New Jersey, New Jersey, right. which first of all, it's New Jersey. It's bad. Second of all, it's small. The, ar the armpit of America. <laughs> I live in New Jersey. It's pretty nice. Here. I know. I'm just saying um, it's cute, but it's very, it's very small when you compare it to the rest right. of America. And it's like, we're so small. We went through the Holocaust, all this other shit. Let us have this one country. That's so better those other people than let them go to anything else if we're just so bad. We're so bad. Right. We're horrible. And we didn't come in to a country that was settled and built from people that have been no, living no, no, there no. for thousands of years. We were there. We were kicked out. We came back in. The land was nothing. 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 Tel Aviv was a desert. It was nothing. literally a desert. Look, just Google Tel Aviv in the early 1900s. It's a desert. Sand. Nothing was there. It was It's swans. like so many of my friends who weren't Jewish and I was moving to Israel, they're like, you moving to Israel? And I'm like, yeah. Right. Like, is it dangerous? And I'm like, let me guess. You just imagine, like, it's a bunch of sand and, like, tanks are around. They're like, yeah. And I'd be like... <laughs> it's one of the most technologically like advanced countries in the world. That's why it's funny. I work in high-tech here. We right. have one of the largest high-tech things in the biggest, the fastest-growing high-tech sector in the world. Right. It's also funny to me when people say boycott Israel. If you boycott Israel, so many of the products you use every day are gone because Israel Something created so many Something as simple as to call blah, 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 push five or push three or push two. That was developed here. Most of the high-tech was developed here. Mobileye was developed here. Most of the high-tech car stuff for safety was developed here. Most of the stuff that people are using was developed right. here. Waze was developed here. Right. It's like, yeah, boycott the country it's that literally there. is, is coming from nothing. Yeah, coming from nothing. Literally has the world against it, and yet we're thriving. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thriving. So we have elections I and mean, our government's a bit of a mess, but right. I mean, we're thriving doing is, damn not, good. Is, is an understatement. I remember I went to when I went to visit Ukraine a few years ago. It looks like it hasn't been updated in like forty years. I was in Kiev. Well, now Russia blew it up all the place, so probably doesn't. That's a whole mess. But moment. Israel, like the fact that since nineteen forty-eight until now, in that short span, span of time, they've grown. Like you go to Tel Aviv and you look around, and it's. It's like a metropolis of that was literally a desert less than a hundred years ago, and it's and now it's so like skyscrapers galore. They're building so much here; it's crazy. Even when we were younger, like we've been, I've been coming here since I was nine, like I was saying, and now I'm thirty, and it's like it's a it's crazy how much it's been built up. But Even the fact Jerusalem, that Israel's so advanced also makes having to deal with all the nonsense so much more annoying. Because like there's so many little things that you're just like, why? Right? Can't it's this like, be did easier? you did you not see all the stuff we've just done or all the, the good right. we do? It's like. Oh, Israel, that apartheid country. Oh, no. Right. Oh, they're horrible. Oppressing, yeah, right. Oppressing Palestinians. <sighs> like, like, learn your history, people. And they say history repeats itself, and that's what it's doing over and over right. and over here. And yet, everyone's still blaming the same country. But what's interesting is that like, I still see on, on a lot of YouTube shorts and videos have been circulating with 
with Kanye West and, and other oh people who are talking about the Illuminati or the Jews behind everything. Oh, we're what behind everything. Me, what scares me is not what Marjorie Taylor Greene is crazy. You for our lasers. Right. These these <laughs> these people that that say these things are not necessarily what concerns me as much as all the comments of people supporting them saying Kanye's telling us the you know the uh, truth. We just have to open our eyes. Or this guy's spitting facts, as the kids say. But we just got it. You know, we're just not paying attention to it. Like so many of these of the media outlets that we're talking about that portray Israel a certain way. First of all, are run and owned by Jews who are the executives, which is very interesting. So they're Jews who are very liberal and who are obviously part of the agenda of making Israel out to be this terrible place. Um, and like the New York Times, I believe was owned by Jews, if not still, for many many years. Yeah. Um, That's the thing. We're, we own everything. We're taking right. over Hollywood. We're taking over everything. We're the elite. We're ruining everyone's lives. Like, which is funny because Orthodox Jews and those Jews are so disconnected from each other. It's like, like look at my tax returns. Tell me who's a late place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like so what do you think I am to? doing? Like, literally, right. like if I was like elite and all that stuff, like, bitch, I'd right. be like making bank. Like, I'm right. a, I'm like, I'm a horrible scammer. That's what we're doing. Right. It's mind-boggling, mind-boggling, and it's frightening. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what, it's just very hard to find anything. Again, I mean, the media has become more about sensationalism and, and making things that is crazy what the media and exciting. Is. But it's no longer about reporting, it's no longer about actual news. Nope. It's, just, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a Netflix show, you know? That's the but thing. CNN is, it, is hemorrhaging bad. Right, and nah. Fox is doing it in the other way. It's like, right, right. I, like I always say, like I, I don't like all the different Fox news programs either. to like piece together the puzzle of what's actually right. happening. Like right. none of them are here because they care about you. They want to report the news to you because it's so tragic everything going on. What's going to make the money? What's going to bring in the viewers? That's all they care about. Right, and it's like that's why, like you know, Hollywood, like with Britney Spears, she was torn down like crazy in Hollywood, literally going through a psychotic breakdown. The media was just ripping her apart posting photos everywhere, all this stuff, instead of being like, oh shit, like this, this girl's going through a lot because right. the gossip of it all, they wanted, like Lindsay Lohan, she was a train wreck. They needed her to be a train wreck. They needed that. When Donald Trump became president, it was a total mess. But all the late night talk show hosts got so much material. They were all and friends like, with, oh, like shit. everyone loved him, it seems like, before he became president. He was on The View. Well, he also used there. to be a Democrat. He all of a sudden right. just became a Republican. That his first time running, his own kids couldn't even vote for him because they were registered Democrats. So, is that a thing? Like, once you're registered as a, I never voted. You to, I, yeah, I you've been here for an election. <laughs> really? I've never been here for the first time. I was here for an election was, um, was 2016. You get hard on purpose in America. That's when they I just really came back. make the whole thing so complicated intentionally. And it's ridiculous. And like, right. it's just, it's a whole ridiculous process there. Well, no, I think it's easier. You don't even need an ID to vote in a lot of places, I think. <laughs> right? You, you just throw up. a bunch of ballots at once. Be like, oh, 50 here. <laughs> well, I saw Ari, Sh- Ari Shapir. Right. Right. No, they were saying that. it was. Doing it digitally isn't safe. But having it on pieces of paper that these are random strangers are collecting, right. that is totally trusting. By, like, right. These, these, these non-biased strangers. Um, I mean, I'm not, one, I'm not an election denier, but I'm not, I'm not one Me of those. Like, 6th. even here, when I was no. voting my fifth election, it's like you go behind this, like, booth. It looks like, you know, like, when you give, like, in, like, eighth or ninth grade, you give, like, a presentation, like, one of those, like, cardboard things right. that, like, come out of the like side. science fair. It's literally like that. <clears throat> you literally have things. You're given a pencil, and you, like, check out the person you want, and you pu- literally put it into, like, this, like, tissue box. Right. And I'm like. <laughs> it's, like school, it's like a school board president. Literally, I, it was like right. a mock election I did in elementary school, and I'm like, "This is how we are deciding the most right. powerful like, man in the world." Like, right? Like, digital is it, it's too it's too high risk, but this is this is right. normal. Like, have you ever seen there was an old movie with Robin Williams where he was a comedian and he ran for president as a joke and he ended up winning? Really? Well, like, it's funny because like I think that I feel I forgot what it's called. I haven't seen in years, but like that, could, I feel like that could totally happen nowadays. You could have some random clown who gets up there because we did. We've been getting right. We, <laughs> we <did>. had that. <laughs> we did, except he was being dead. Serious. Now we have some old man they took out of a nursing home to become president, right. and it's like he's like this really cute old man. You just want to like pinch his cheeks and be like, oh my god, I wish he was my grandpa. But like, hold on, but there's that one. There's nice. a clip someone made of him uh, coming out of um, a helicopter <laughs> to, to to the White House, and it's like a uh, he's like narrating him walking. 
pretending to be like uh, like a Secret Service agent. Like Eagle has touched down. Eagle is is making it into the White House. Be sure to point in the right direction so he knows exactly where to go. Because he literally went the wrong way once, right? And he goes, "Okay, he definitely cannot miss this." Oh, <laughs> Eagle has gone off course. Quick, someone get a kid or a or a woman with nice smelling hair. You just like, see him walk way off down the grass. He's like, like the grandpa you always wanted, not the president it's sad. you always wanted. Right. It's just sad. It seems a little bit sad. Like he's almost like propped up there. It's very fa- sad. Also, people are really mean to him. Like with Trump, it was like people just hated him. So they were mean to him. With Biden, it's like people are just like on Twitter all day. Like, right. He's not saying not mean things man. on Twitter or bashing people. He's, but he's just not a bad person. Thing. He's just. Right. I don't think just, he's a bad guy. He's kind of like he just comes across a little bit as like a, the senile. He's a little man. bit senile. He's a little bit not all yeah. there. You know, yeah. he's one foot out the door, it seems like. Right. I mean, I, I mean, in all honesty, it's not like we're like, oh, my God, he's such an amazing person. We must vote him in. We right. would have never had a Trump. person. It was anything exactly. but Exactly. Exactly. Which I got. And I did vote. But, like, I, it's not like we were all like, oh, yeah, he's, he's just amazing. Like, it was really, like, right. the lesser of two evils, kind of like the first election, 2016. Right. It's sad that that's the election I've come to. It's not like, oh, who's the better one? Who should I vote for? They're both so good. It's like, oh, shit, who's, like, less horrible? Right, right, exactly. I don't know because they're why. literally taking on the weight of the world on their shoulders. It's not an expression anymore. It's like you can't do that unless you are a narcissist, and you can't right. have been that big unless you right. have stepped on people exactly. and have done. There's no more good shit. people. Good people are not going to run because they're just Republican, get Democrat, liberal, conservative. Doesn't matter. They've all done shady shit. They're all politicians who are media trained who say specific right. things. That was the biggest thing about Trump is that. Whatever media training he got, he just wasn't listening to. Right. So that's what was so blown up for us. Because all them, whatever they're seeing, it's like with celebrities. People are like, oh, so-and-so is so nice. Oh, my gosh, you're so sweet. You have no idea who the hell they are. You literally only know them based off of interviews and, like, right. their social media, which is so Facetunes and everything else. They're literally trained by people, and they have publicists. They literally know what questions they're going to be asked, how right. they're going to respond. Remember Joe Biden's card that it said, then you that will take was your my seat. favorite. When As opposed to you taking around. someone else's seat, right? Because, I mean, I've done that so many times. At least like, he didn't oh, mess shit. that I one up. I almost took her seat again. Right. Well, he almost he did. <laughs> Luckily, the whole world saw the card, so they were able to help him out in case he forgot. Yeah, yeah, there's a good, there's the a good meme. There's a good meme someone made of, like, you see Donald Trump, like, swinging a golf club at his course and the ball flies and then it moves to hit Biden as he's walking up the steps of his plane and then he falls down and he falls down. And if I heard <laughs> he doesn't even have such great aim Trump, so I don't think we would have got that well. Right. It's all a mess. <sighs> yeah, like no one's taking on that role because they're like, oh my God, this, you know, America, it's really falling apart. Like I just need to help America. That's what I'm all right. about. Like, no dude, you have to be narcissistic. You're literally taking on the weight of the world on your shoulders. There's no reason to do that unless you literally just love the admiration of it all and you want to feel like you're doing something. I just worry that Trump is too narcissistic. He's going to he's going to run and it's going to end up destroying any chances because he's going to split the Republican that's vote. That's why I wonder if he is going to. Because on one hand, I'm like, I, I mean, he made for it sure clear he wants when, to. When, so I, I, I thought for sure in the beginning, like, oh, he's totally going to run. But then I think like, but if he claims the like this whole time, like you know, with this election, like, oh, it was rigged, oh, it was stolen from me, like you know, blah blah blah. Even though he literally still had seventy two million votes, so it's not like Joe Biden won by a landslide. Right. Um, so in itself, it's a ridiculous argument. But like, is he going to put himself in that predicament again, to where he's going to, if he does lose, which I would think he would at this point, play the whole oh, it was rigged again. Or is he right. not going to put himself in that situation? Because it's like, right. oh, I just can't point. trust it. So I, I would love to run, but like, I, I don't trust the system. This way, it's like he could leave playing that thing as opposed to losing yet again. Or it's kind right. of. Like, I wonder if DeSantis is going to run and he's going to make a bid for. No, no, no. He's already him. being investigated into. He's a pathological liar. You heard he's Jew-ish. You know that. What does that mean? Oh, clearly you don't know any of the news about him. He's so Jew-ish. Yeah, because his grandparents fled from Germany or whatever country he made up right before the Holocaust and everything because they were Jews and everything like that. Till he was called out that he definitely does not have Jewish grandparents. Then when he was in a different interview, he was like, well, I didn't say I was Jewish. I was saying how I was Jewish. But what's Jewish? <laughs> You're either Jewish or you aren't. Your right. grandparents were, were either Jewish and escaping the Holocaust or, right. or they weren't. Right. He also said that he was a star volleyball player at Baruch College in New York. He wasn't even on the volleyball team. He literally 
What is what just is that? Making like, what? up random ass that. stories because they, things like that are so easily identifiable as to whether, especially or not nowadays, true. where literally right. everyone has access to everything. Like, like Biden said he was a professor at some university. He just like what? Are, like what do you like? What do you think you're gaining from that? Also, like people literally are only going to know you're lying. There was nothing. It was like, oh wow. He's Jewish. Let me vote for him. If anything, it was like, dude, maybe he's trying to connect with like the. Maybe he's trying to connect with like the older, the older generation who's not going to be like, wow, he's not going to go on Google.com, who's not going to have a grandson or granddaughter to be like, uh, grandma, uh, you might want to see this. So he's literally being investigated, and he's refusing to resign, and they are most likely going to force him to because he's literally lied on so many different things. Wow. <laughs> it's literally mind-boggling. Everyone's getting investigated, resigned. I remember No, but this Cuomo, was just God, so got, many made-up things. Right. Andrew Cuomo but was he, sad because he was good in some ways, and then it was like he just completely blew everything up. Him and de Blasio both. A no, nuclear no, bomb no, no, this no, entire no, no, state. No, 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 De Blasio was always awful. Never liked him. I thought he was using his son for his whole campaign in the beginning. Oh, terrible. I, like I mean, he was the worst mayor that. in New no, York City no, history. Never liked him. Never liked him when he was... I don't think anyone... Will. I don't know how he got voted in. But Andrew Cuomo, when the pandemic was happening, and he was one of the few states where he was really onto it, getting it together, making sure, calling out the government, getting the beds, getting the ventilators... Really on top we, of it. So we were like, like wow. one of the first places hit, if not the first. Right. Was Ro- so was he was Rochester. really on top of it. And then it was like, oh, this came out. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, even the few ones that finally do a good thing, it's like, you too? Like, great, great. Right. Like, <laughs> no one's good. It's like, literally, like, everyone in politics, it's like, okay, well, who's less shitty? I guess I'll vote for them. But, like, everyone has skeletons in their closet, but, like, certain things are, like, really bad. Nowadays, and you wonder, like, no how are all these people... Closet. Right. How are, how are these people like, these are people who did bad things. Like there's doing things that like, you're not proud of. And then there's like really bad things that you hope no one ever finds out about. Unfortunately in society, a lot of the things we usually just swept under the rug or ignored. How is it that R. Kelly was still able to have a career and do things after, since I was a child, he had all these allegations on, uh, against him, literally a woman suing him who was underage, claiming how he raped her and peed on her and all this stuff. And like, Still had a career, still did a song with Lady Gaga. Same thing his... with uh, Michael Jackson. Right. I mean, you know, technically in court, he never got convicted. So right. people could say that thing. There's that like, documentary, uh, what's it called? Leaving Neverland? Uh, you know, I Leaving have Neverland? mixed feelings. I, I just feel like I don't have know what happened. Right. I don't, I don't know what happened. But at the same time, the parents who are sending their children off to stay at a grown man's house by themselves without the permission, right. they're like five years old. And then you're all of a sudden right. going to claim all they, this stuff. It's they like, should get in trouble. Right. It's like, like right. I don't think you're any less innocent than right. it's child endangerment. It should be considered child and, endangerment. You know, and also in that documentary, The Leaving Neverland, it was with Wade Robinson was one of the guys who was in it. And he was actually the one who Britney Spears had as a choreographer who she cheated with when she was dating Justin Timberlake, which is why he came out with Crummy River and they broke up. But Wade Robinson vehemently denied all allegations and was a key witness for Michael Jackson in many of the cases. And then once he was dead and doing all of that, and it's not like you just go to court one day, you're like, oh, well, today's the day. Like, you've right. been with lawyers for months. You're in preparation for months. Right, you're having 100%. mock trials at your lawyer's office. There's a lot of preparation. You're going into that vehemently denying this. And then once the guy is already long dead, and after all these times, now you're like, yes. He did, and I'm going to sue you for money. Right. Right. Like it's like the uh, the kid who was suing Nirvana recently because of the baby picture of the, uh, on the, bitch, on the sue on your the damn parents, part. not Nirvana. Right. Sue your parents. Your parents were literally throwing you as a baby in a Hollywood to get their right. five seconds of fame. Nirvana has nothing to do with that shit. Sue your parents. Your parents <laughs> are wrong. The end. It's like, sad because a lot of kids are ridiculous. put into Hollywood like that, like Orlando and, right? Brown. But like you're you're <coughs> you're you're literally missing the point. Kind of like Israel. You're kind of missing the point. Like bitch, it right. wasn't Nirvana. Nirvana's like, oh, I want that baby. They weren't predators. Right. Nowadays, an album cover like that wouldn't even be able to happen because we have so many sick people in this world that we're finally right. acknowledging as opposed to sweeping under the rug. Exactly. But like to sue Nirvana, you're you completely missed the point. Why did your parents as a baby literally allow you to be in a photo shoot where you were naked? for a multi-platinum selling album. Right. Money. Exactly. Not Nirvana. Money, money, they And they also, they weren't making that much money off the album. The album didn't go multi-platinum because of the cover. The cover was the icing on the cake that was controversial to their album. 
their album was very successful in and of itself. Still would have been, even if it had a different cover. Literally ridiculous. Money. It's a money grab. As dad always says, you know, there's uh, the, uh, the gods that people, the God that people worship today is, is the dollar bill. It's just people and that's, chasing that's, that bag. That's also one of the biggest differences between Israel and America. As America, there's so much more of a keeping up with the Joneses and who has the nicer house. Right. Who is the, who's the nicer car? Who is this? It's really not like that here. And even in, in Israel, the more no like, one cares. wealthy communities where people do have a lot of money, a lot of money in the high-tech communities, it's not like that judgy thing. People people who have a shit ton of money here, you wouldn't even know that. They they put on – when they had a conference uh, for our crowd, which is like that that high-tech pool funding. I'm actually – So they, they had, they had the CEO of Sony, I believe, came, and uh, they had a lot of executives from you know corporate companies, companies. here in America speak. And, you know, they're all dressed, obviously, in a suit tie. And then the Israeli guys who created a mobile eye who sold for billions and all these high-tech executives who were billions show up, jeans and a T-shirt, some Blundstone yeah. boots. They drive a totally. regular car. They just don't care to spend money CEO on of my company, my company, we've, we've raised um, $116 million. We started in, in um, you know, 2019. My CEO That's every day. crazy. 2019? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my CEO literally every day, T-shirt, jeans. And usually the t-shirts he wears are literally just our company t-shirts that we have for free that we give out each other. Right. Very simple. Doesn't care. The CTO that he started. Right. Why would with. you buy a t-shirt when you can just get a free one that you could wear, you know? Literally though. Like literally There's that's those how few outliers. And, like, and people just don't, like in America, it's like, you have to be this thing. And that's why right. we work. That guy was a scam artist, but like it was such a crazy concept for America. Because it was like, oh, it's work, but oh my God, it's so chill. And like all this stuff. And it's like. Right. Being comfortable in your workplace is going to help you work better unless you're partying and drinking all day and not doing your damn stuff. Right. Like, yeah, you it's know, just, there uh, has to be a balance. It's, yeah, it's a different, yeah, it's a different perspective. It's probably become amplified by this idea of chasing the, the American dream. And we want to put on this show, like we have it all. And the American dream, here, the lands of the free, right. you know, the land of the free, well, who's free? Because there's literally so much racism and all that shit going on. Right. And anti-Semitism and all this other stuff. And it's like, who's free? Uh-huh. But at the same time, we are the most, I guess, free country. I don't think anyone else, there's no other country I'd be other than Israel. There's no other country I'd rather live in than the United States. Canada doesn't really Switzerland. Nice Switzerland seems nice. Switzerland, yeah, because they're just like, oh, bitches. Like, you, you do your own shit. We're not in right. Don't bring that in. Don't bring exactly. that in. Exactly. Oh, no, no, no. Keep that to yourself. Right. Um, Sweden also. Everyone Sweden from Canada is really nice. Want. I don't know what that is. But I, also, I loved Degrassi when I was a kid. So, like, I was like, okay, Canada, it's a nice place. All right. Perfect. Okay. On that yeah, note, yeah. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna call it an episode here. Um went yeah, a little yeah. bit over time, but trying to Thanks stay on again. track. I got my my wife was was laughing because last episode we said, you know, we try to be more consistent and then the next week we're a day late. But it is. I've been a little bit, a little, like, like I said, I've been coughing. I've been a little bit under the weather. I'm getting back into to full throttle. I'm at like 90%. So God willing, next week I'll be back at 100. And uh, we'll catch everyone next week. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to YouTube, drop a comment. And like, like a subscribe. Comment. Hit the, put, the, 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 the notification guy for some notifications. And Spotify also. You can follow. It'll give you a notification. Oh, and cool. uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye.